0: When it comes to difficult conversations, we're often focused on what divides us. We are acutely aware of the ways in which we are different from one another. After all, that's probably what makes the conversation difficult. But if we're able to balance that difference with commonalities, we'll have a better chance at easing the conflict. Our question this episode How does empathy help move us towards a deeper understanding of one another? Welcome to episode 35 of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host, Beth Below. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. In this episode, we're going to take a closer look at empathy, what it means, if we can cultivate it, and the role it plays in difficult conversations. Before jumping into the topic, I invite you to visit HowCanISayThis.com for more information about this podcast. From that website, you can also access past episodes, learn how to subscribe, and find details about how to leave a review or offer feedback. And if you find this podcast useful, I invite you to share it with a friend, or maybe two, twenty, however many you want. An occasional feature of this podcast is responding to listener questions about conflict, communication, connection, and relationship building. I welcome your questions for inclusion in a future episode. You'll find the online submission form and other instructions at HowCanISayThis.com. As I mentioned in episode 34, I recently gave a presentation at the Muskegon Rotary Club titled Four Keys to More Civil Conversations. Each of the keys that I offered presence, empathy, humility, and truth are worth exploring in more detail and certainly um, spending more time than I had during a rotary presentation. So therefore, episode 34 focused on humility, and this time we turn our attention to empathy. If humility is the master key that unlocks everything else, Empathy is the WD-40. It removes rusty layers of egocentric feelings and makes it easier for the humility key to open the door to vulnerability, transparency, and authenticity in a conversation. Let's begin by defining empathy. According to psychologytoday.com, empathy is, quote, the experience of understanding another person's thoughts, feelings, and condition from his or her point of view, rather than from one's own. Empathy facilitates pro-social or helping behaviors that come from within, rather than being forced, so that people behave in a more compassionate manner. It's a word that's sometimes used interchangeably with sympathy, and while that's understandable, it's inaccurate. Sympathy means to feel sadness or pity for someone else who's having a rough time. We'll say something like, I feel sorry for them. When we post on Facebook that we're sorry for your loss or sorry that's happening to you, we're expressing sympathy. If we have recently experienced a similar loss and can more closely identify with how the other person is feeling, we might move towards empathetic support, such as, I remember the pain I felt when I lost my job too. I know it's really hard right now. You can get through this. Sympathy is providing support through an understanding, sometimes abstractly, of the experience of others. Empathy surfaces when you have a shared personal experience with someone and you have felt what they feel for the same or very similar reasons. Another characteristic of empathy is that you are able to put yourself in the other person's shoes and see their situation from their perspective, rather than projecting your own feelings and experiences onto them. You might understand fully how they're feeling, but you don't assume that they are dealing with their emotions in exactly the same way that you would. For instance, I don't have a sister, but let's just use this as an example. Let's say that my sister died, but I still have another sister and a brother. If my friend's sister also dies, I know how my friend feels to a certain extent. She probably feels sadness, emptiness, shock, and maybe regret things that I probably felt when my sister died. But my friend didn't have any other siblings. Her sister was the only one. So she's going to experience her grief in a different way than I would, given that I had other siblings. And feeling empathy for her means that I can commiserate on the tragedy while holding the space for her to process it in her own way, without assumptions from me that what would be comforting or helpful to me would be the same for her. The common ground between sympathy and empathy is compassion. In both cases, your heart goes out to someone else, and in some small way, you have a deeper emotional connection to them, even if it's just for a moment. Compassion moves us to act in some way on behalf of another person, to feel either sympathy or empathy. One of the most beautiful demonstrations of empathy comes to us from the pen of Shel Silverstein in his poem from A Light in the Attic, titled, The Little Boy and the Old Man. Said the little boy, sometimes I drop my spoon, said the old man, I do that too. The little boy whispered, I wet my pants. I do that too, laughed the little old man. Said the little boy, I often cry. The old man nodded. So do I. But worst of all, said the boy, it seems grown-ups don't pay attention to me. And he felt the warmth of a wrinkled old hand. I know what you mean, said the little old man. It's hard for me to read this poem without tears coming to my eyes. So if I made it through that reading aloud without cracking, um, I'm surprised. <laughs> um, the old man feels empathy for the little boy, because as he says in different ways throughout, he says, me too. They are speaking as two hearts that know one another. In the last episode, I talked about humility as a way for the light to get in, for you to experience a crack in your ego that allows for another person's perspective to be as important and valid as your own. In the poem, I'd like to suggest that the old man is showing humility by listening to and identifying with the young boy. He could easily say, I have so much more experience than this child. I had it rough growing up too. I had those troubles and he just needs to toughen up. But instead, he sees himself in the boy and can be with him in his sadness. This requires being humble, admitting that he doesn't know it all just because he's older and wiser. It also shows that he is practicing empathy. So what does this have to do with difficult conversations? If we're coming from very different perspectives, beliefs, or opinions, it's beneficial to find at least one way you can connect on an emotional, empathetic level. Consider the implications if you don't feel any empathy. You are apathetic, which means that you're indifferent or unable to relate to the other person. That lack of relatability decreases your capacity to understand where the other person is coming from, which is at the heart of empathy. We often talk about finding the middle or the common ground between people who come from opposing views, especially in politics, but also when it comes to religion, finances, or other hot-button topics. The middle ground is where we might take off the gloves and actually see one another as human beings rather than as enemies. Finding a point of empathy supports that process. I'll share a personal example of how this has worked in my life. I have family members with very different political views than me. We grew up together, shared many experiences together, yet we don't share the particular ideological perspectives that inform how we cast our votes. But just because we don't share some of those key perspectives doesn't mean that we have absolutely no overlap in our beliefs. If I want to find the bridge... And I suddenly, when I thought about the bridge I had in my mind's eye, that scene from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when Indy is following clues to finally reach the Holy Grail, he finds himself at the final challenge, standing at the edge of what appears to be an insurmountable crevice in the earth, too wide to jump across and too deep to risk it. He then remembers that what is required is a leap of faith. And he takes a step into the air, at which time the invisible bridge is made visible. So my point is that finding the bridge between you and another person requires a leap of faith and believing before seeing. You have to believe that it's there if you're going to find it. The bridge, the common ground, isn't necessarily going to be obvious in these situations. We have to take a leap of faith and draw upon what we know in our hearts to find the connection that will lead to common ground. In my family, it's that we have a shared experience of financial insecurity and not always feeling like we could rely on the systems that were there to support us. I remember feeling the stress of uncertainty. As time went on and we had separate life experiences, Each of my family members developed different ways of coping with that shared reality, and this resulted in divergent ideas about how to address those challenges. If I were to choose to have a conversation with my family about those differences, I would want to come from a place of empathy based on those shared realities, rather than focusing on all of the obvious surface things that might be dividing us. I can truly understand the basis of their perspective because we have shared some of those experiences. Working from there, I can acknowledge that different people have different reactions to the same stresses. And instead of judging their response, I can get curious about it. The empathetic response would be, I get it. I remember feeling that fear and it was hard. How has it affected you? I name the emotion we share without assuming that we share our responses to it. That builds trust and connection, and it increases the chances that we'll have a more respectful, civil conversation. You might be listening to that and thinking, well, do I have to say what it is that I think is that common ground piece? I think that's up to you and your comfort level with it. It might help to share it directly with the other person so they understand that you're sincerely trying to bridge the gap between you two. If that doesn't feel safe, you could just allow yourself to sink into that empathy and let it soften your stance and your tone of voice and your body language. Use it to check yourself on any feelings of judgment and reframe your approach into one of curiosity. You don't have to necessarily name the point of empathy to communicate it. The question of whether empathy can be cultivated is extremely important, given that some research has revealed our levels of natural empathy have been declining in recent decades. Research from 2010 out of the University of Michigan revealed that people have become less empathetic This is based on data analyzed from 72 studies done between 1979 and 2009. According to a Psychology Today post, which I will share in the episode show notes, that shared the research results, quote, researchers discovered that students' feelings of empathy and understanding of others' misfortunes dramatically declined over the years. Compared to students from the 1980s, today's college students scored lower on questions that demonstrate their ability to imagine others' perspectives on an issue. The assessment asks students to rate how likely they agree with statements such as, I sometimes try to understand my friends by imagining how things look from their perspective, and I often have tender, concerned feelings for people less fortunate than me. Researchers say there has been a 40% decline in empathetic concern over the years. End quote. They found the biggest drop in empathy after the year 2000. There's some speculation that this is due to social media and the relentless bombardment of negative and distressing stories. We can become numb from overexposure, opting to engage in self-preservation efforts to keep ourselves from feeling bad and to cope with our feelings of helplessness. If empathy can be cultivated, what can we do to build that muscle? Here are a few ideas for you to consider. One is to think about the other person and ask yourself, what context are they speaking from? What is their life experience? What do I know about their backstory? And what do I share from their story? Where have I walked a mile in their shoes? Another question to ask yourself is, what are they afraid of? We all have fears, usually rooted in either not having enough or not being enough. That might be not being good enough, smart enough, rich enough, and so on. We also might be experiencing fear around our identity if we feel like it's being threatened. So the question to ask yourself is, what fear might they be experiencing that you can identify with? If you usually read nonfiction or watch news and documentaries, try injecting some fiction into your entertainment options. According to an article on Happify.com, quote, a 2013 study from the Netherlands found that the act of engaging in fictional narratives actually increases empathy levels. This is because of something called narrative transportation theory. Basically, if a person becomes lost in a story, that person will experience a change in attitudes, ideas, and behaviors that reflect perspective gained from the story, end quote. Another suggestion is to use that onslaught of social media misery as a place to practice compassionate empathy, which is empathy that results in action. When you're looking at your feed and you see a typical post that shares bad news, instead of expressing a private, oh, or just writing, I'm so sorry to hear that, take a moment to reflect on the person's situation. Think of if and when their experience has overlapped with your own. Hold that person in your heart and your mind and let yourself feel for a moment the same emotion as they do. That is emotional empathy. Then translate that into whatever action is appropriate. Send them a private message expressing your support. Post a more personal message that relates directly to their situation or donate a few dollars to the charity that they're promoting. And if it's someone that you are closer to, send them a note in the mail or text them or pick up the phone and give them a call. Taking that little extra step will stretch your awareness and your capacity for empathy. Volunteering, learning to listen more actively, and being sincerely curious about other people are also ways to increase your empathy. I'm going to close with one final suggestion that takes the form of my call to action. It's a short meditation that you can do daily or whenever you feel like you're becoming numb or disconnected from the people around you. It goes like this. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. May we be filled with loving kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. May we be happy. I'm not exactly sure of the source of that. I found it several years ago and um, printed it out and there was no attribution. If you're listening and you know where it comes from, I would love it if you reached out to me to let me know. And regardless, I I hope that you find that particular meditation useful. I'll share the articles and research that I mentioned in this episode, along with that closing meditation, and a short video that social researcher Brene Brown created on the difference between empathy and sympathy on the episode webpage at HowCanIsayThis.com. If you're interested in bringing the interactive presentation that I mentioned in the beginning, uh, the Four Keys to More Civil Conversations, to your organization or business, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Feel free to contact me through the podcast website, and that address is howcanisaythis.com, or email me directly at beth at howcanisaythis.com. It would be fantastic to be able to explore possibilities with you. you. This is Beth Below and you have been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for spending time with me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously.